wonderful. The music has been so wonderful this morning. I just love the music here. I really do. I can't, <coughs> I can't hardly get through a uh, Sunday service because of the music. It's just so impacting. I mean, we, we sing about it, but it means so much to us to know the Lord and to, and to, have, to be familiar with uh, what we're singing about. I have my phone here, and I, I normally don't ever have my phone on me, so I'm going to go ahead and turn it off. And because, and by the way, you do the same <laughs> with yours. <laughs> okay. Now I just start vibrating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was, I, I like to say, that was great. I, I enjoyed that, that song, ladies. Wonderful. It's so good to, to, to see our young people that are stepping up to the plate, doing so well with uh, the music and all. And the choir. What a great song. I, Rachel's song earlier, everything, the congregational. I, I just love singing. I love singing the truth and singing about how that uh, mercy said no. It wasn't really mercy. It was the Lord Jesus Christ that said, no, I'm not going to let you go. When the choir sings that song, I'm, I think of an incident when... We were traveling across I-90 after, uh, what is that, Stevens Pass, uh, no, Snoqualmie Pass. Uh, uh, as we got to the other side, it was a beautiful, beautiful day. And this was like, oh, I don't know, 20, 20 28 years ago, something like that. And so it was, the, the road was different than it is now because there's new roads and all that. But there was, a, there was a, a portion of the side of the road that we stopped at that was just so beautiful after the mountains and we kind of can look over and see the vista of the, the whole, you know, there's a wide place in the road that you can stop and kind of look. And uh, so we did. We, we pulled off to the side there and it was a day like today. It was kind of like, uh, well, I can't say Indian summer anymore. <laughs> well, anyway, it's uh, like this fall kind of day. Okay, so anyway, that's <laughs> politically incorrect, so they say. Anyway. Um, so anyway, we were pulled off to the side of the road and kind of looking, and I was with, uh, it was my family and Brother Matheny. This is when he was pastoring here in the States before he ever went to uh, Romania. And uh, so his kids were about the age of my kids, and one of his children, Philip, for those of you that know the Matheny's and are familiar with Philip, um, Philip, he must have been, I don't know, must have been about seven years old or so, something like that. Um, he had a hat, had a ball cap. We're all at the side of the road there on the little, you know, guard. We're kind of, you know, with our hands looking, and it was just a steep drop off. Philip had a hat, and the hat kind of blew off, and it was right there outside the gate, you know, outside the, the, the fence. So without even saying anything, he just thought to himself, well, I'm just going to go grab it. I can go ahead and get that. It's just right there. He stepped down there, but he didn't realize the, the side of the hill was just all rocks, gravel, you know. He jumped down there, and he started sliding. And got his hat, but then he, he slid down about four or five feet. And it was like, it was steep. It was like that, and then, you know. And, we're, and both families are, are seeing what's going on. We're, we're watching Philip there, and he's going, Nobody move. Philip, don't move. And we're, we're trying to figure out how could we get to him and maybe make a chain to him or something because, you know, he couldn't get back up. You know, just trying to uh, move. It's just even worse. You know, he's sliding down more. 
And um, I was, at that time, I was washing windows as a professional window washer before I ever came out here, and that's what I did part-time. And so I had a window washing um, uh, pole. Matter of fact, uh, that pole is in the, uh, between the bathrooms right now. We use it to fix the flags and whatever around here, change, change, uh, whatever. You know, it's the kind where you can, you know, open it up and, and extend it. I got that pole out of my, out of my trunk, and uh, I was in a, we had a station wagon, got, got it in, uh, outside and, and, and handed it down to Philip. We said, Philip, grab onto the pole. And he grabs onto it, and, and the pole goes, shh, you know, it just opens up, <laughs> you know, and, and we said, hang on, hang on, you know, and said, wait, wait, don't move, you know, took up the pole, tightened it up really good, and put it down there, said, Hang on to the pole, and he, he, he hung on to it until we're, we're pulling him up, and, and every, every time he's moving, the, the rocks are going down, and he's just like, I mean, we're, we're, we're fixing to say bye-bye, you know, because he, he was not making it, and, and we're just pulling up just little by little, inch by inch, and I remember, you know, reaching down there as, when he was in reach and grabbing him, getting a hold of him. Folks, that was, that was me. And I was a goner. I was a sinner deserving hell, deserving the judgment of God. And Jesus put out his hand and he would not let me go. Just like the song, he would not let me go. He had a hold of me. And he's strong. And he's capable. And he got a hold of me. This was years ago, folks. I remember in California before I got saved, I was living out there by myself and it was, I was sliding down that hill, and I had, I had no hope, and Jesus got a hold of me, and that's what I think of when I, when I sing that song, or I hear that song being sung, and I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful that he wouldn't let me go, he got a hold of me, and he wouldn't let me go, thank God, convicted me and brought me up to the place to where I finally repented of my sin and, and put my faith and trust in him and I'm so glad I'm saved now yeah. I'm so glad I'm a believer I'm so glad friend if you don't know this this savior he's he is wonderful I think it's better and better every day every day of my journey with him it just he he's so much more than I ever thought he was you need to get saved. If you need to get born again, if you don't know him as your savior, that's what you need. You need to pay attention to the songs that are sung and the, and the word that is preached. And, and so uh, anyway, that was for free, okay? <laughs> Let's get into the word. Jeremiah chapter number 29. And uh, you remember last week, it was uh, verse number 11. Jeremiah chapter 29, we uh, looked at what, what God said. This is his heart to his people, his heart to you and I. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And we talked about uh, God's on our side. He's on your side. He loves you. He loves you and he wants to see you saved. And this is his heart. And we, you know, kind of saw that and was revealed. Well, we're going to go on and try to take some of the same thoughts that we, we had in the, in the preparation of that message about the 70 years in captivity. You remember for 490 years, the children of Israel, they, they disobeyed. God said every seventh year, you're supposed to have a, uh, uh, let, lay your fields fallow. Don't, pl- 
plant, don't sow, don't work the fields, let it rest, and uh, God will take care of you. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of you. I'll give you a better crop the, that uh, sixth year, and it'll go on into the seventh and into the eighth until you get your next harvest. So don't worry about it. And they're supposed to follow God, trust God, and do all that kind of thing for 490 years. They did not. Every seven years they came along, they just ignored it. They just continued to, to plant. They continued to disregard God, continued to uh, ignore, disobey his command. They, they continued to not do by faith what they were supposed to be doing. And, and so finally, after that 490 years, God says, I'm getting my 70 years. Uh, that is every seventh year for 490 years. He says, you're going into captivity, and you're going to go into the captivity for exactly 70 years because... As we learned last week, that's what he's he's requiring. This is what they earned in their in their chastisement there. Anyway, so uh, so <coughs> God <coughs> excuse me. You need to pray for me as I get over this uh, crud stuff. And so uh, I've been shaking hands, but I'm okay this morning. But you know, and probably after I'm coughing in my hands, nobody shake my hand from here on. Okay. Y'all see me at the, at the door there, just bump elbows or something, or wave, say, hey, preacher, how you doing? So uh, what happened back then was uh, uh, God prophesied, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to send you into captivity, captivity for 70 years. Go with it. He says, go with it. Don't fight it. If you fight it, it's going to hurt you. You've got you've to listen to what I'm saying. If you're gonna, if you're gonna disobey, if you're gonna con- you go contrary to what I, my will is and what I'm and the and the hammer here, then it, it's gonna hurt you. But if you just go, you, you just get uh, uh, taken into captivity, slaves into captivity into Babylon for these seventy years, and you you prosper, then then I'll take care of you there. And at the end of that seventy years, you come back. Well, there were other prophets that came along and said, what? This is so anti-patriotic. We're not going to go there. We're not going to just lay down and, and allow our enemies to come <clears throat> take us. What about, you know, country? What about, you know, and so, and they're going to they're gonna rise up and try to fight the Babylonians. And, and as God said, you do that, you're going to get creamed. There's no way that you're going to survive that. This is how you survive. You willingly go into captivity and I'll take care of you. I'll, I'll give you prosperity and peace there. And then you'll come back. Well, those, those prophets that lied about things, they said, no, this is what God said. Forget about what Jeremiah is saying. Forget about what he says, thus saith the Lord. No, no, this is what God's will is. <clears throat> you, you hang on here and you fight and we're going to go ahead and, and work this and we're going to go ahead and, 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 and uh, they were going to be destroyed. They lied about it. They, they, it. Here's God's word. What God said was going to take place, his prophecy, and others were, were countering that. They were saying, no, that's not God's word. This is what God's word. This is what thus saith the Lord. And they were lying about it as, as God had uh, made it very cl- uh, clear. Well, that's where we come into... <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Uh, uh, chapter 29, verse number 31, the end of that chapter. And this is where we pick up for this service, for this, these thoughts here today. He says, Jeremiah 29, 31, <clears throat> sent to all of them of the captivity, saying, Thus saith the Lord concerning Shemaiah, or Shemaiah, the Nehelamite, Nehelamite, 
Okay, anyway, sorry. Uh, thus saith the Lord concerning Shemaiah, the Nehelah, Nehemiah, well, this guy here. Beca- <laughs> because that she- Shemaiah hath prophesied unto you, <clears throat> and I sent him not. And he caused you to trust in a lie. He was one of the false prophets. One would say this, and another would say that. And he's just pointing one of them out here. Shemaiah, he says, verse 32. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will punish Shemaiah the Nehemalite and his seed. He shall not have a man to dwell among his people, neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord, because he hath taught rebellion against the Lord. Now, chapter 30, verse number 1. God goes on with a thought here, even though we're, we're reading through the chapter. He says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord. And I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Of course, this was after the 70 years. God made very clear. I'm going to go in there for 70 years. At the end of that time, I'm bringing you back. And this is what got the, the rest of that prophecy. Not only are you going into captivity for your punishment, but, but God says, but I'm bringing you back. <clears throat> and he's promising that to them. Says uh, in verse 3 again, For the lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Verse 4, <clears throat> And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. Let's stop right here, ask the Lord's blessing, to see if we can't get some things that will be a benefit to us today here at Wooden Valley Baptist Church. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is as pertinent today as it was when it was penned. Lord, thank you that you don't diminish in your strength or authority or sovereignty or power, and your word does not diminish at all either. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Lord, help us to see some things about the recording of your word here that that, uh, will make a difference in our life here today. Lord, I pray for that one here that doesn't know you as their Savior. They might know about being being born again, but they've never been truly, genuinely born again. I pray for that one that might have heard about your mercy and about your grace, but has never allowed you to put your arms around them and save them. I pray for that believer that's here today that has a a difficulty in in actually trusting your promise and your word. Lord, I pray that you help us to to understand the the importance and the the validity, the the crucial place that your word should have in our hearts and our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make a difference to each one of us here today. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, help us to see some things about this situation and how, where we stand today with your word. Lord, I pray that you just bless in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Last week, as we said, we jumped in the story of the children of Israel because of their sin. They were being chastened for 70 years. <clears throat> and God made that very clear, exactly 70 years. God promised them that they would be punished, but then, as we read this morning, 
then released from slavery, then allowed back into the land. God's ultimate message was found, Jeremiah chapter 29, in the previous chapter, verse number 10. He says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and will perform my good word toward you, or his promise. He's, he's giving him a prophecy here, and he says, this is what I said. is going to take my good word. I'm going to make it good. I'm going to stand behind what I say. As he says there, I will visit and perform my good word towards you and causing you to return to this place. Like some of the false prophets, they said, no, if we go on into Babylon, we'll never come back here. We're, we're just going to be distributed. We'll, we'll be gone as a people and we're not going to... And, and God will say, no, this is what's going to take place. I'm going to perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Of course, that was last week. God wanted them to understand his heart, his intention for them, despite the severe chastisement. And it was severe. It was extreme. And sometimes people deal with the Lord as, and, and they, they almost like are, are ignorant, sometimes willingly ignorant that God has two extremes. He's extremely good and extremely faithful and extremely holy, but he's also extremely just, and he's extremely righteous. And, and you can't uh, get away from his extreme uh, condemnation against uh, his enemies or uh, against unrighteousness or sin. Well, <clears throat> this message, the message that God gave to the children of Israel, you're going into captivity, but exactly 70 years later, <clears throat> I'm going to bring you back, and I'm going to and I'm going to uh, uh, get you back and, and establish you again in the land. That message was so marred by false prophets and by false teachers who would confuse the Israelites. They would take the focus off of God's word and His promise and flatly deny God's <clears throat> communication. <coughs> Excuse me. Shemaiah was one such false prophet that God addressed in our text, last part of this chapter. There are major concerns of God when it comes to his word, as in the denial of our text by liars. Because what he was doing was he was saying, uh, God was, was warning them of liars. There were liars around, like Shemaiah, who, who was denying, he was contradicting what I'm saying. He was making you confused. He was bringing you to the place to where you were uh, uh, maybe didn't have your focus on what I was telling you or you were maybe confused about uh, what I was saying because there's all kinds of stuff out there. So one was saying, oh, we're going to get lost and so we better not go into captivity. And one was saying, no, well, let's fight because we can, we can stay here in the land. One was saying, no, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're going to be uh, uh, swallowed up in, in uh, Babylon. And God says, no, that's not going to happen. He, he gave his exact uh, um, uh, foretelling of what was going to take place in prophecy. Seventy years this will take place, and I will bring you back. I will plant you back in the... In the but there was so much of that stuff that was going on. <coughs> Excuse me. Hang on. <coughs> Sorry. I don't mean the microphone. <coughs> How gross. That's, that's awful. Anyway, there's so much of that stuff that was going on <clears throat> uh, that people were getting confused. And God was, was the message that God sent out was, was being marred. 
So there are major concerns of God when it comes to his word as in the denial in our text by liars. You got to understand that God doesn't shut up the Shemayas. He doesn't silence them. He doesn't, <clears throat> he doesn't uh, eliminate all the false prophets. No, they're out there and they're saying, and they're continuing to say things that are contrary to God's word. But God welcomes the comparison. So this is what Shemaiah says. This is what God says. Okay, and God says, all right, we're going to see what, what's going to be taking place here. But God doesn't <coughs> shut down <coughs> the opposition. In no means, by no means does God shut down the opposition. He allows falsehood to be uh, dispersed. Anybody could say whatever it is that they want. Thank you, I got, I got this thing. I appreciate it. Anybody could say anything that they want about God's word or the truth of God's word or what God's saying. They could deny it. They can oppose it. And it's out there. And God doesn't shut them up. God doesn't silence them. God welcomes the comparison. Jeremiah 23, verse 25. <coughs> he says here, I have heard what the prophets said that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, God says. They're just saying whatever it is that there's, this is what they think, not what I think. They come along saying, thus saith the Lord. And God's given me a dream and this is what God's will is. And God says, they're liars. They're liars, as he says, they're spewing out the deceit of their own heart, verse 27, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. <clears throat> a lot of stuff. We'll continue here in just a second, but a lot of stuff going on there. And he says, what they're doing is they're, they're saying this and that, and, and, and there's so much out there that, well, this is what God says, and this is what God says, and this is what God says, and it's all lies. You know, folks, we got that today. All kinds of cults out there. All kinds of people that, says, that, that, that say, oh, God spoke to me. And he's given me these plates. And, and they're golden plates. And I'm uh, uh, translating them into the Book of Mormon. Because this is what God says. This is after he said everything else. He says these things, which are actually in contradiction to what he originally says. Uh, that's not, you know, uh, you know made big. But that's, that's what. And they're saying, this is what God says. And somebody else comes along and they say, this. And we got the charismatic movement nowadays. That, man, they got all kinds of visions and dreams. And God spoke to me. And God, so thus saith the Lord and they give their whatever, and they're, they're speaking with some kind of a, a, a movement of God, and, and so the Holy Spirit is saying this, and God is saying this. There's all kinds of junk out there of people coming along saying, this is what God says, and this is what God says, and, and God says to those that are not his prophets, they're, they're, they're spewing out the deceit of their own heart. <clears throat> he says they're, they're saying these things that are making people deny or diminish what I say. This is his word. This is thus saith the Lord. And if there's something that goes in, con in, in contradiction to what God says, like for instance, here's Mormonism that says God was once a man. Like we are men, God was once as, as we are. 
And as God is, so man shall become. We can, we can uh, uh, develop and, and uh, uh, elevate and go to a higher level, higher level to where we can be uh, like the Jehovah God that we uh, worship. We'll get there eventually in some celestial, you know. But you know what? You know what God says about this? I am God and there is none else. There's nobody else going to become a God like I am God. There's no other gods. That's what God says. It's in contradiction to what somebody else says, thus saith the Lord. Well, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that's out there that's contrary to the book, and they're saying, this is what God says, and this is what God says, and God says, hey, it just, it's a bunch of confusion. So he goes on to say, what about this, the false prophets that are out there? I mean, should God just go ahead and lightning bolt every one of them? Here's somebody that says, oh, God said this. <laughs> Crispy critters, you know, so no more false prophet. So he can only have his. No, no, he says, no, no, they're out there, and they're going to spew out lies. Satan's going to come along in Eve's ear and say, yea, hath God said. See, he really doesn't want this for you. He didn't like, now, let me tell you who God is. He's a killjoy. He's, he wants to keep you uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, shielded from the truth, because then you're going to be uh, knowing good and evil like he does. Yeah, right. So what about that? What about those that, that, that speak lies, that has a word, has a dream, and they're, you know, whatever. And he goes on to say in uh, uh, Jeremiah 23, look at verse 28. The prophet that hath a dream. You know, he's talking about false prophets here. Okay, that prophet, everybody's got a dream, everybody's got a, you know, whatever. Okay, that guy that has that kind of a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word. Okay, the prophet that has a lie, that's not what God says, but he has a dream. He says, go ahead, let him tell that dream. Oh, but let him that has the word of God, <coughs> God says, he has my word. Let him speak my word. He's, he says, <coughs> let them both uh, on the table. All right? Let's make, a, let's make a comparison here. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? You know, chaff is uh, in, in a farming situation to where uh, the, the wheat is, is harvested from, the, from the, the fields. And it comes in and it's all connected to chaff. Chaff is like a bunch of uh, husks around the, around the grain. And so you've you got to separate the husks from the grain. And the grain is heavier, and so once it's separated, the chaff is kind of like blows away. It's it's useless. It's 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 uh, not valid. It's not it's not valuable. He says that's chaff. That after you get through in in separating the chaff from the wheat, the chaff is just to be burnt. It's garbage. And that's what God says. Okay, here's somebody that that's you know saying this and saying that. He says, hey, what is the chaff to the wheat? What is the chaff? My dream, my vision, this is what God says, and it's not, it's not what God says, to the wheat, to my word. He says, let them both out on the table. Let's go ahead and, and make the comparison. Let him tell a dream. He that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? He goes out in verse 29. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Listen, his word is, is solid. His word is true. His word is powerful. His word comes to pass. Folks, there is never a time when God wants to keep 
information or knowledge from the undecided. He says, hey, let them both speak. The, the true and the false. Let it out there. Go ahead. Spill it. God is all for a fair fight. An even contest. A plain comparison. Now, today, we have a very dangerous movement where the radical left doesn't want a contest of ideas. I don't know if you've been following this in, in politics and in universities and educational ed, ed, uh, institutions. No, no, they want to silence the opposition to shut the opponents down. It's not let's have a, a fair you know, comparison of the ideas here. No, no, if it's something contrary to, to uh, uh, my uh, uh, worldview, then let's let's eliminate it. Let's shut it down. And and the, and and they they're not tolerant to opposing viewpoints. They'd rather have no debate when their views are threatened. Whatever happened to an intellectual challenge of ideas? Now you have universities with safe spaces. Oh no! If you go into your university and and actually hear something that is contrary to what you believe, ah, you're just going to fall apart. You need a safe space to go into, and uh, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. You know, just that's so. St- My wife is not here. Stupid. <laughs> Don't you all tell her that I said stupid in church? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to lie and say I didn't. <laughs> Really, that, that, is, that is ridiculous. It really is. It really is. Listen, God is not afraid of a challenge. Light is a disinfectant. What you do is you come to ask God with your hard questions. He's okay with, with <clears throat> uh, dealing with falsehoods and exposing them. He's okay with, with uh, answering your hard questions. You've, if you have a hard question, you can come to the Lord to have it answered. He's capable of have, handling the challenge. You remember in the Old Testament, the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon, who was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. That's what Jesus said. You know, uh, there's uh, greater than Solomon is here. He, he used himself as that, as that type as that illustration of Christ. And the queen of Sheba came to, because she heard of the fame of Solomon and the wisdom of Solomon and, and the glory of Solomon. So she came, and the Bible says she came to, to prove him, to test him. She had all kinds of difficult questions. First Kings chapter 10, verse number 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. What do you, what do you think those hard questions were? Oh, what kind of hard questions do you have? What kind of questions do you have that you can't get answers to, that, that, that are bugging you, that you need to understand what you're here for? Or do you need, you need to understand what's going on in your life? Hey, listen, there's plenty of hard questions. Everybody has. Well, she had her own. And she came, the Bible says, with hard questions, verse 2. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon, oh, I love this, Solomon told her all her questions. In other words, answered every one of them. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. She got her answers. Listen, Jesus welcomes the genuine skeptic. Somebody that really wants to know, is there a God? What am I doing here? 
is, is this life all that there is? If you've ever been to a, a funeral where you had a loved one or a friend or somebody that you knew and they were there and they were warm and they were a person, a character that, that was just like you and they're gone. They're not there. The body is there, but they're somewhere else. Did you ever think, where did they go? Well, you know what? We have the answers to every one of these questions. Thank the Lord for that. Jesus welcomes the genuine skeptic. It's the skewed scoffer that Jesus ignores, that he will not answer those. <clears throat> Illustration of John the Baptist when he was confused. He, he said, you know, is, is the, Jesus the Messiah that we're supposed to be following? I, that's what I thought. That's the, the pathway that I was on. And now I don't really know. I'm in jail and, and for speaking righteousness is... And so he sent his disciples, go, go ask him, are you the one or is there another? And Jesus said, here, hang on just a second, watch this. And then he healed and he gave sight to the blind and, he, and uh, um, uh, uh, legs to the cripple and, and he raised from the dead and he, and he healed sicknesses and then he told, tells his John the Baptist disciples, now go and tell John what you've seen because it's, 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 that's exactly what was foretold in the Old Testament of how you could tell the Messiah. And he says, yep. There's your answer. And he says, go tell him. Answer that one. But then here's Herod. Do you remember Herod? When Pilate sent Jesus chained as a criminal to Herod. And Herod's going, I've been looking forward to this. I hear about this Jesus that he, he uh, raises from the dead. And he, and he uh, gives sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. And, and so he, he comes in and he says, hey, make a do a miracle. Do a miracle. You remember Jesus Christ, superstar where, you know, in, in, in jest, walk across my swimming pool. And, but Jesus sat there silent. Didn't give him one word. Why? Because he's a scoffer that wants a, a, a circus show in his parlor. He wasn't, genu he wasn't genuinely seeking to know whether or not this was God incarnate. But you know what? The genuine scoffer that comes to Christ... Jesus answers those questions. He deals with that person. You can't believe? I mean, truly. You, is there a problem why you can't come to, to faith? What is your problem? Let's talk about it. You know, I have this uh, ministry that I'm, I'm looking for a good uh, uh, coffee shop. This Tully's, by the way, Tully's was not a good coffee shop, but it's a great place to sit down and, and discuss things. And so I used to have this uh, meet the pastor ministry. Love that. You know, just offer people, come and talk, and I'll buy you a, a cup of coffee, and I'll answer questions. If you have questions about the Bible, about, you know, uh, life, or about anything, well, let's talk, you know. And I love that. I love doing that. And, and I, but you know what? That's what God does. God welcomes the, the intercourse. Look at Isaiah 118. This is what he says to the lost. Come now <coughs> and let us reason together. <coughs> let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God invites the skeptic, invites the conversation. He says, let's reason together. Let's talk. Let's talk. Hey, listen, if you genuinely, if you have some questions, if you have some, some real doubts, if you have some impasses to faith, you can go to the Lord and he'll answer every one of your questions. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Okay, getting back to our, our uh, uh, passage here in Jeremiah chapter 29 and then chapter 30. <clears throat> in chapter 30, look at verse number 2 again. It says, thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. 
See, documentation is big with God. Folks, you got to understand that. Now, I'm, I'm coming into the practical realm. Not just ideas and this and that, but I'm talking about that book that you have on your lap, the authorized version, King James 1611, authorized version, which is from uh, the uncorrupted manuscripts that we know by history that has been recognized over the centuries as God's word. The Bible that you have in your, your lap, on your lap, that's the documentation I'm talking about. Documentation is big with God. Okay? Because, okay, <clears throat> God says this is what's going to happen. You're going to be gone for 70 years, but then you'll come back exactly on the 70th year. You're going to come back. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to replant you here. You're going to be prosperous. And, this is, and, and, and he laid it out, laid it out, laid it out. But then he doesn't just do that. He says, okay, these things that I'm speaking to you, write it. Write it down. Write the, all the words that I have spoken. The, put it in a book. I want it there so that, Why? Because, see, 70 years from now, when it's going to be that particular year that, okay, let's say this is uh, uh, 2018, if 70 years from now would be 2082, right? 88? See, see that's why I'm not an accountant. <laughs> I'm a preacher. Okay, 18 plus 70 is, yeah, yeah, uh, 88. So... Come, so come 2088, that's a long time from now, uh, I'll be living, but some of you won't be. <laughs> but you know, come, come 2088 and, hey, look at this, Balfour Declaration or something again like that, and, and they go into, they're allowed to go back into their, their land and they come back and, and it's like, oh yeah. Didn't God say something about that some time ago? Anybody remember that? I don't know. Yeah, I think he did. You know, there's no... God said, I didn't want that. No, 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 no. What I'm telling you, the precise prophecy that I'm giving you, write it down. Put it in a book. I want it there. I want it documented. Because God's big on documentation. <coughs> This writing in a book is so that when the exact fulfillment took place 70 precise years later, God's promise would be able to be verified, proven, displayed to be true, unlike all the lies of all of the others. That's the chaff to the wheat. He said, you remember? Hey, everybody else said, oh, no, this is what's going to happen, and this is what's going to happen. And this was. He says, no, no, write down what I tell you because I want it to be verified. I want you to be able to prove it. I want you to go ahead and, and document what I'm saying so that the lies will be able to be displayed to be lies and this will be displayed to be true. See, it's this documentation that is so very important with God and it's talking about writing down his words, writing down his promise, having it uh, uh, not just audibly but in scriptures, which script, you know, right? Uh, that's what the scriptures are, the written word of God. That's why the scriptures are everything to us who love the Lord. And it should be. Because they're everything to God. His words are on high priority with God. He says, hey, be sure that you put these words down, write it down in a book. I want it from here on so that you can check it and you can check exactly what it was said. Check the prophecy, check it all. <clears throat> Jesus said 
in Matthew 24, 24, verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, the words that I give you, that I want you writing down, the ones that you have in a book, my words shall not pass away. Do you want to know how many enemies that this book has had over the centuries? I mean, enemy after enemy after enemy, and, and people come to a new enlightened period. Well, we don't need that junk anymore. Uh, we, we have science. It's like the, the, the uh, 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 explorers that found this little island out in the, in the South Pacific, and they came, and they, <clears throat> they uh, uh, you know, were, were asking about how they were doing and what was going on there, and and uh, 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 the, the topic came of the Bible, and, and somebody asked about a Bible, and they, and they said, oh, no, 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 we are beyond that. We, we, we've long, you know, you know, outgrown the Word of God. Now we're, we're men of science. And the, the uh, native said, well, we haven't, and you're lucky that we haven't because it was a missionary that brought us the Word of God some years ago when we were cannibals and we changed our ways you would have been in our pot. But, you know, that's, that's not happening anymore because of the Word of God. We've not outgrown it. Lucky for you. <laughs> hey, folks, it's when, when the, the Word of God uh, comes, you know that, that verse that Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away? The exact verse given three times in three different Gospels. How about that? Matthew 5, 18, Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass. One jot, or one tittle, that's kind of like a crossing of the T and dotting of an I. It's not, they're, they're pieces of Hebrew letters. He says, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. In other words, my word is indestructible. It's going to be there. It's very important to the dot and to the cross of of the the actual letter. Listen, it's all going to be there. Heaven and earth is going to pass, but none of his word will. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. In other words, I might promise you something, and I might not come through with it. People are that way. A shame, shame on us. But God, what he says, he keeps his word. That's what he's talking about, his word. Uh, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise like men, like some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Psalm 89, verse 34, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips, God said, whatever goes out of my lips, it's there and it's forever. You can count on it. You can stake your life on it. Whatever comes out of my lips, I'm going to stand behind. I am not going to change. Just like he says, uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 8, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth. I mean, that's normal. That's life. That's living things, people, grass, uh, animals. Things change everywhere, everywhere, all the time. They're changing, they're dying, they're there, they're, they're there, and they're gone. He says, uh, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Isn't that wonderful? I'm telling you, documentation is big with God. Friend, if this book is flawed, I mean, at all, if, this is, if there's any error in this, it's a divine book. If there's any error in this book, let's go home. Last one, turn out the lights. We got nothing. We got nothing. 
Say, preacher, I don't know that you should make that kind of a claim. That's unnecessary. No, no. If it's God's word, are we talking about God's word? We're talking about it comes with his promise of preservation, his promise that it will endure, his promise that all of the, the, the enemies against God's word that have been for centuries, been fighting, been trying to get rid of it, been trying to overcome it, trying to leave it behind, and it's still here, and it's still valid, and it's still as powerful as it ever was. Voltaire, who said, within one generation, the word of God will not even be able to be found in England. And his apartment, about 70 years after he passed, was changed into a publishing company, and you know what it printed? <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> hey, folks, it doesn't, doesn't matter the attack against it. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass, but my words shall not pass away. Isn't that wonderful? <clears throat> so this book is God's word, and, and if it's flawed, if there's errors, then we got nothing. But you know what? If it's perfect, if it's without error, if it's totally true, if it's proven to be valid in history or archaeology or science or prophecy, then you better sit up and you better take notice because this is God's word and it's important to him. And documentation of his word is important. That's why, that's why God is big on documentation. He wants it to be validated. Let's look at our text again. Jeremiah chapter 30, look at verse number 2. <clears throat> Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying... Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. He says, write it down. Simple question. We'll try to answer this in, in three or four uh, uh, ways. Why did God want his word to be recorded? Why did he say, write it down? Why did God want his word to be recorded? Well, number one, <clears throat> to disprove the lies. You remember everybody else, all the Shemaiah and the others saying, no, no, that's not what God said. And no, no, it's not 70 years. And we're going to be there forever. Or, you know, that's not, or it's not going to take place at all. God's not going to send us into captivity. Don't worry about it. We'll fight. We'll stay here. Or whatever. They said, no, no, thus saith the Lord. Remain. Or whatever they said. They were lying about it. They were going contrary to what God says. And so God wanted his words to be written down. He wanted it to be recorded to disprove the lies. There are many of them out there. <clears throat> they would be coming out of captivity exactly 70 years later. God said, write it down. Mark it down. Put it in a book. God wanted his word to emphasize his promise. <clears throat> See, this is what Satan says to counter what God says. He says, you sin, Adam, Eve, you sin, you'll die. Satan comes along and he says, unto the woman, in Genesis 3, 4, you shall not surely die. Wait a minute. God says one thing, and there are those that are lying against God's word. And so, you know what, though? We got it written in the book. <laughs> you read all about it. Read all about it. God said, no, no, you sin, you will die. Romans 5.12, the Bible says, Wherefore is by one man, that's Adam, <clears throat> whereas by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Did you know there was no death prior to Adam? You can't have this uh, uh, theistic evolution where millions and millions of years of death and struggle and disease and, and uh, you know, selective breeding and all that kind of stuff. Uh, no, no, there was no death. There was no death prior to the sin. Adam and Eve in the garden and the animals and everything else, there was no physical death until Adam sinned. 
That's what it says. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and there you go, boom, death by sin. <clears throat> and so death passed upon all men. The first one that we see that died, well, actually the lamb or whatever that, that clothed them, but the first human was Cain, kills Abel, his brother. What a grief. What a heartache. What a separation. What an awful thing that God had never intended for you and I to ever have to go through and experience. And, and we're having to experience that all the time now, folks, with every person that ever comes into this world. They die. Everyone, they die. They're born, they die. They're born, they're, they die. The death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And now all die. That's what God said. <clears throat> hey, you look at what God says and you can validate that. There's lies. There's, there's those that deny that. Ecclesiastes 8.8. 8. There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. He's saying, listen, when it's your time to die, you're going to die. And there's nothing going to prolong that. Nothing will prolong that. You cannot. You cannot say... Uh-uh, There's, it's appointed on demand once to die. Your appointment comes, which I don't know when that is for me. You don't know when it, that is for you. But when God says, this is your day, this is where you die, you cannot prolong that. You got this crazy science stuff going on now with chirogenics where, you know, people freeze their bodies because maybe 150 years they'll be able to figure out some kind of a, 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 a get-out-of-jail-free card with cancer or with some kind of a disease or with with some kind of a, a brain ailment or whatever. And so they're going to uh, freeze-dry their body for, for centuries. And then when it's time and they figured it out, they'll go ahead and put you through the microwave or however it is that they're going to... They haven't figured out exactly how to do that yet, by the way. But when they do, they'll bring you back. And then you know what you're going to have? A dead, frozen person that now warmed up. Dead. What, is, what does God say? There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. And then he, this, this is the way God puts it here. I love this. And there is no discharge in that war. <laughs> there ain't nobody. I don't care how wealthy you are, how smart you are. There is no discharge in that war. Everybody goes through it. You know, that's what God said. That's what God said. God's promise is valid. See, one of the reasons why God wants his word to be recorded is to disprove the lies. When God lays it out, and you can read it, and you can see, yep, that's exactly what the Bible says, that's, and it disproves the lies. Also, why did God want his word to be recorded? To display his character. Titus chapter 1, verse 2, the Bible says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie... Promised before the world began. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know about our God, that God cannot lie? He cannot lie. It's not like he doesn't lie. Yeah, he doesn't lie, but he, this is what the Bible says about himself. He reveals himself here, and he says, he does not lie. He will not lie, but he cannot lie. He's truth. Jesus Christ is called true. He's truth, and he cannot lie. And here's somebody that says, oh, well, yeah, <clears throat> you know this thing about um, that God is the only God. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God. There is none else. But there actually are other gods. But he's the only God that we have to do with, that we have to deal with. 
So he's just saying, no, no, that's okay. Uh, this is, uh, you don't need to know about this, but I'm just going to go ahead. Uh, either he's lying about that, or he doesn't really know, or something's wrong with this picture here, because the Bible says God cannot lie. And so, therefore, God wants his word to be recorded to display his character. When he says something, it's true, and it comes to pass. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. He doesn't, he doesn't, have his, he doesn't count his word like you or I count our word. No, what he says comes to pass. What he says is true. What he says is... is uh, uh, Un, un, uh, is immutable. It will not change, folks. Will not change. When we see the fidelity that God has to his word, we're overwhelmed because it displays his character. Why did God want his word to be recorded? He said, write it down. Why? To validate the truth when it comes to pass. You see, the thing about it was, he says, I want you to write it down 70 years exactly. So when 70 years comes around, you can read it. There's no doubt. There's no question. It's not somebody says, well, let's see, didn't God say something? Didn't he promise like we were going to come out sometime in the future? No, no, let's read it. 70 years. Boom. Uh, this is uh, 1988. Sure enough. Look at that. It validates the truth. When the truth comes to pass... Having it written down validates. Uh, you remember the story of Micaiah? He's in 1 Kings chapter 22, uh, and he's telling Ahab, don't go there, don't, don't get into this. Uh, Je uh, Jehoshaphat, Ahab, you go, it's going to bring you down. As a matter of fact, Ahab, you're going to die if you go into this battle. And he says, no, no, all of these false prophets, they say God's going to bless. And they say this and they say, so let's just go on and go on and don't worry about it. And, and, and uh, um, uh, Ahab sure didn't like Micaiah. And he says, hey, put him in prison until we, until we get back here. And then the Bible says, 1 Kings 22, verse 28, and Micaiah said, if thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. He says, this is what God said. God said, the Lord is going to bring you down. You're going to die in battle. If you come back, if you come back in peace, then I'm not God's prophet and God lied about it. He says, but that's not going to happen. And then he turns to the people. He says, hearken, every one of you. Hey, everybody, pay attention. When he dies, you validate God's word. This is what God says. You see, when you write it down, when you have it written down, when God's word is recorded, it validates the truth when it comes to pass. Isn't that a, a blessing? That's a, that's a blessing. It's wonderful to validate the truth of God, to glory over the, the, the accuracy of his word, to rejoice it, to celebrate his truth. Thank the Lord. And Jesus said, bring this body down and in three days... I will rise it up again. Sure enough, three days later. Didn't matter what Rome tried to do. It didn't matter the, the, the uh, 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 detail that was given by the soldiers about keeping them in or making sure nobody gets there, making sure nothing happens. It didn't matter. <laughs> Pilate says, make it as sure as you can, as much as you can do. Keep him in when he said he's coming out. Hey, it validates the truth when it comes to pass. He rose from the dead. Amen. All of this, see, folks, listen. All of this is for us here and now. 
Validating that everything that God promises, he brings to pass. Everything. Everything that God says. You know what? There's a big book, and there's a lot of prophecy. You know what prophecy is? Before it happens, God says, this is what's going to come to pass. Seventy years, exactly, you're coming back. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. That's a prophecy. Seventy years later, now it's history. We look back and find out what happened. It's history. God did it, just like he said. There's a lot of prophecy in this book. And you know what? There's about a quarter of that prophecy that hasn't taken place yet. It's called the Great Tribulation Time. It's called Jesus' return to earth on his, on his stallion and with those of us who have white robes conquering Satan and his crew. And the, there's about a quarter that hasn't taken place yet. You know what else is a prophecy or a promise of God? Is that you're going to stand before him and the books would be open and another book would be open, which is the book of life. And you'll be judged out of those things that are written in the book according to your works. If you're lost, you're going to face that courtroom scene. That's a promise. Now look, if three quarters of the book... Everything that God ever prophesied way ahead of time, he prophesied that, you know, uh, 70 years, he prophesied this is what was going to take place. He prophesied they're going to be in captivity in, in uh, Egypt for, for uh, 430 years and then be let back uh, and go back to, to Canaan. He prophesied that uh, the Jews would be dispersed and they would come back. He All of the prophecies, everything that God said, this is going to take place before it happened. And it happened just exactly literally just like he said, all of that, uh, I think we can trust that the rest of this, which is not much left, the rest of this, it's coming to pass. Exact, literally, just like he said. So why does God want his word to be written down, recorded, to validate the truth when it comes to pass? And then, validating everything in history now, you got confidence that what hadn't come to pass yet it's coming to pass. It is. He'll bring it to pass. This is to teach us, teach us about future celestial accounting. Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Hey, there's wrath coming. Wrath up ahead. That means judgment. That means condemnation for somebody that's without Christ. They've never had their sins forgiven. They've never been born again. Hey, God says, look out. Something's coming in the future, and it's wrath. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, And we are to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now listen, believers are not going to face that. Hey, we've been delivered, but what about you? The Bible says there's wrath to come. You better get saved. That's what the book says. That's why he wants it uh, uh, recorded, so that you can understand, hey, what he promises is coming to pass. And when he says there's coming some wrath, there's coming wrath. There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages for sin is death. Listen, friend, you need to flee from the wrath to come. And that's what God says. That's, that's how you know that for sure, according to, to his word. Why did God want his word to be recorded? So to validate his truth when it comes to pass so then we can trust in the the. the remaining prophecy. That's for us right here, right now. 
And you know, for believers, it gives us confidence in his promise. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God keeps his word? You know, when you see the world seen as it is, and it's like, man, this place is a mess. I don't know how, it's, you know, I don't know how Jesus is going to you know, fix this thing, but I do know one thing. He's coming again. Amen. He promised. His word's true. And he said, write it down. Get it in a book. We got it right here. Jesus is coming again. Romans 4.20, uh, talking about uh, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Listen, whatever God promised, he's able to perform. You know, and that's why he says, write it down, put it in a book, so you can see I'm able to perform what I promise. Fully able to keep his promise. Every head bowed, nobody's looking for just a moment. Friend, if you're here,